This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. From MPB Think Radio, this is Now You're Talking. It's a show about the most interesting people and stories of Mississippi. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey, editor-at-large at Mississippi Today. Well, today we're, we're sitting down with Derek Wright, who is the founder and CEO of Jackson-based nonprofit Wright's Foundation for Better Communities. And artist Presley Lane of Presley Studios will be joining us as well. We're going to welcome Derek in just a bit, but hey, you know, it's Monday. It's a nice, blustery, gray, cool day. You might as well warm it up a little bit. So we'll bring Michelle in and talk a little bit about the weekly roundup. I tell you, a lot of stuff going on. Of course, Cicely Tyson passed away Thursday at the age of 96. And that's really tough. There's just been we, it seems like we're kind of at this time of loss where, you know, because of the, the pandemic and because of well, all other cases. I mean, Cicely Dyson lived a really good long life, but we've lost a lot of really notable and, and very important people. And uh, today we're going to talk a little bit real quick about three people that have made a huge difference in, in our lives. And just and they've passed away this week and kind of tie a golden thread between the, the three of them. But Cicely Tyson, like I said, she just got her memoir out and. And um, Michelle, you there? I am here. Yes, I am. Good oh, morning. Good, good morning, everyone. Good. good morning. Hey, how are you doing? It's so good to talk to you today. Yeah, I'm great. It's a cloudy Monday, but it's another week. First day of February, Black History Month. Um, President's Day is coming up. We have a lot of things to look forward uh, to. You're forgetting the big one. Um, Valentine's oh, Day. <laughs> I'm like, what else? What else? Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Valentine's Day, um, mm-hmm. fellas. No, ladies, too. No, 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 you're right. I mean, it's. I think it's fair warning. We, we might as well tell the guys out there, you've got 13 more days to procrastinate. Well, you know what? No, I, I do want to um, talk to the ladies. Ladies, this year, it's been a trying year, last year. And still, we're in the midst of this pandemic. I was about to say, this m- last month was a yes. trying year, let's, too. Let's show our uh, significant others that we love them as well. Do something special. You know, cook a nice Amen. meal. <laughs> we don't need a co-signer <laughs> on that. No, I'm just joking. But, um, <laughs> yes, do something cute and do something special. That would be fun and something he will probably not expect. It. You know, Valentine's Day is for sweethearts, not just for men to show their women they love them. It's for everyone. So, And also, let me tell you what I li- love to do. Since my daughter was little, Valentine's Day has been her day. Uh, I used to, when she was small, used to have balloons and a basket and everything. And when she would come from school, she'll have it on her bed. And she still, at 17, looks forward to her Valentine's gift from me because she's my first love. So, you know, I love to give my daughter a beautiful big valentine's day gift you know amy does the same exact thing for the boys she puts together a nice little nice little care package for them on valentine's day full of all the cool little treats they got when they were little and my oldest son was home from college over the weekend and so she gave him his early because he's not going to be able to be home before then and yeah it's kind of kind of neat and they love it and of course you know she she loves it too now she and i for each other we got each other swing Okay. To hang outside. Yeah, That's cute. it's really nice. You can it's swing a, together to, and hold exactly. hands and <laughs> reminisce. 
or whatever it is that people that have been married for 28 years do, right? <laughs> Talk about the kids and, and the life, exactly. the mortgage and the new house. And No, how about we don't talk about the bills, don't talk about the kids. Talk about you guys. That would be cute. But um, when you mentioned uh, Cicely Tyson, yes, Cicely Tyson did die on last Thursday at age 96, guys. And, I mean, That's a good run. That is a good run. She just published her memoir entitled Just As I Am. And if you watched uh, her interview with Gail King on CBS this morning, it was wonderful. Gail asked her a question. She said, <laughs> and this is not eerie, but it's it's interesting that Gail asked this question and she died like, what, a few days later? She said, yeah. when it's all over, what do you want us to remember about you? She paused for a minute and said that I tried my best. I did the wow. best I could. Michelle, can I bring up somebody else who also oh, course, passed this last week that was just the same kind of person that nobody could say a bad thing about? His name was Seku Smith. And for some of you may remember, he was a beat writer for the Clarion Ledger in the sports department. He covered Mississippi State at one point. He covered high school sports. He was here, I guess, about 20 years ago, which is a while back. But Seku went on to work at several other newspapers and then work for Turner Sports as an NBA analyst for their NBA TV. And Seku was beloved by everybody in the NBA and by anybody who knew him. He went to Jackson State. Um, there is going to be a scholarship that is formed in his name, uh, but he was 48 years old. COVID took him. Uh, Seku and I worked very close to each other in proximity in the building, and you could always tell when he was coming in the room because you could hear this laughter. He just had the best laugh of any human being you'd ever meet. And my, Amy and I watched a show called Ted Lasso on Apple TV about a coach who makes the world better through his actions and his positivity, and Seku was that kind of guy. And I did a cartoon about Seku entering heaven with a big smile on his face and this giant beaming light coming from him. And Cicely Tyson was kind of the same way. You know, there are people on this earth that when they walk around, it seems like the world just turns into full color when they're around, you know, and make everything's just bright and shiny and happy. And, and definitely um, Seku was one of those people. Cicely Tyson was one of those people. And we also lost, and I guess uh, Mississippi lost a, a business person who made a huge difference uh, for many, many years, and this was Leland Speed. And those of you who remember, he, of course, founded two companies, and he also uh, worked, you know, as the top recruiter and developer for businesses in the state of Mississippi with MDA. And, and Leland was um, an interesting guy, too. And I always loved talking to him. Uh, he passed away at 87 and had ALS right at the very end, but he lived a very active and wonderful life. So this seems like it's a time of loss, but, you know, we really need to celebrate these people that we're losing and figure out ways that we can somehow you know, emulate them and try to fill their giant shoes that they're leaving behind. Yeah, you're right. Um, I guess, again, we talked about what COVID-19 taught us and, well, just what life right now is teaching us. And for me, it's live in the moment, cherish Amen. Whoever, whoever you love, make sure you tell them every day because you don't know when the last day is. You never know. And it's not weakness to say this, but I think love is truly what's going to get us through this dark time. Uh, yes. Of course. Definitely. And that's, you know, Definitely. and that's been a given to me. That's that's what I've been holding on to all my life. Love back in the civil rights movement, all of the hard times in America. Think about it. Love. Um, love is what pushed us 
you know, to the next level. And it will during this as well. So, you know, just stay vigilant. Uh, everyone rem- and remember. And make sure, speaking of love, make sure you get that Valentine's oh, Right, right. But remember to take care of your health <laughs> and your mental health. That's very important. So take Ooh, care boy, of your health. Boy, that's been a challenge. <laughs> exactly. That's why I'm mentioning it. I understand how t- challenging it is right now for a lot of people. Please try to, if you could do anything, take care of your health and your mental health. And speak I of- think it's so appropriate that we follow exactly. the cooking show because, oh, my Lord. I mean, I need to socially distance my fork and my mouth. <laughs> but, you know, our next guest has had his share of challenges. He's going to he tell has. you how he has he overcame them. And then he's giving back to his community. He's paying it forward. Love that. It's time for us to take that quick break. And we return. we're going to have that inspirational guest on. Derek Wright is going to be joining us. So go ahead and stay tuned. There's more to come. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. The information presented on this program is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult an appropriate professional for guidance about your concerns. Welcome back, and thanks for listening. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey, the Mississippi Today. Our guest today knows firsthand how challenging life can be and is here to share his story on how he found success. So let's welcome to the show now author and CEO of Wright's Foundation for Better Communities, Mr. Derek Wright. Derek, I am thrilled to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you, ma'am. I'm glad to have I'm glad to be here. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean it's 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 great. I mean, I I hate these are the COVID times. It'd be I'd like to shake your hand. You've you've got an incredible story, and I can't wait for you to tell us a little bit about it, and tell, of course talk about the foundation. But I think probably it'd be good for you just to go ahead and share a little bit about yourself, because like I said, your story is nothing but short of amazing. Of course, you know, like a lot of families in impoverished neighborhoods, uh, we've seen our share of struggles. My siblings and I, I was raised by my grandmother due to a lot of situations that we went through as kids. My grandmother got me when I was five years old, of course, uh, put me through kindergarten right away. I had never seen a school a day in my life, (laughs) but uh, she put me through school and I ended up starting to achieve things, you know, from a young age. Of course, you know, she had a way of making sure I understood things too. You know, she was old school. So through that, I was able to. Derek, Derek, real quick, I want you to define old school because I, (laughs) I love that. Okay. So uh, here's a good example. So I'm going to mention my sister in this as well. But uh, like at one point, my my grandmother would whoop me for not getting things right. 
because uh, she understood the pressures of school and how, you know, the teachers would respond to me not knowing things. And I would come home every evening, and there were, like, index cards, like, nailed to the wall with, like, sight words. And, hey, spell wow. this or spell that. And I'm, like, nervous. Like, if I get it wrong, like, you know, I know it's coming next because I, now I got to go get a switch. And uh, <laughs> to me, you know, that discipline uh, carried yeah. over even in school with spelling bees and stuff like that. That was always in the back of my head. Like, you know, if I get this wrong, like, you know, what's going to happen next? So just that approach toward discipline helped me a lot in the long run, especially coming from where I come from and me being able to progress so fast uh, under her tutelage. A couple couple thoughts on that real quick. Number one, when I think of superheroes, I don't think of Batman and Superman. I think of grandmothers um, right. because I think they're kind of the unsung heroes of, of so many of our lives on that too. But I mean, I you have probably said the most Southern word I have heard in the last year and a half. And that was whoop. <laughs> Cause when you said whoop, I just was starting to nod my head going, yep. I've had a few whoopings along the way. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But, I, but and you, I remember, I remember my oldest sister, like she always took up for me when I was young, even today, like, she always had my back. And she was like, one day, she asked my grandmother, she was like, you know, why are you so hard on him? And excuse my language, she was like, because he don't know a damn thing. And I put that in, in one of my books as well. And my grandmother, of course, when I was growing up, I thought she was mean. But all, all along, she saw something special, uh, in my opinion. Through that, I went on to, like, make many accomplishments in school. Of course, I made the news in school before. Uh, my third grade year, I uh, made first place in the school district for accelerated reading. And the second place person was in fifth grade. So I was already reading like past the fifth grade level. To me, excellent coming from, like I said, where we were, where we come from. So looking back on it, she was definitely like what you said, a, a true superhero. Of course, translating into my adult life, a lot of things uh, I saw were challenging. I got my first job when I was 18 years old. I decided to do that instead of going to college, you know, to try to create some kind of financial balance. Uh, with with my family. I went on to keep that job for about three years. When I lost that job, a lot of our finances began to like fall through. I owe so much money on so much stuff. Uh, I ended up picking up another job that paid me like $7.50 an hour. And uh, that's pretty decent at, at the time, but I was in bankruptcy due to all the things that I had owed. And bankruptcy uh, took so much of my paycheck that it left me with about $150 like every two weeks. So out of that... Yeah, I had $150 every two weeks. My mom and the rest of uh, my family that she was taking care of were forced to move into a hotel. And, of course, hotels are not cheap, but that was the only thing we could do at the time. Uh, I sacrificed most of that paycheck to make sure that they were good and ended up landing myself just in my car. You know, uh, I didn't want to, like, crowd their space. A friend of mine, he had a lot of people living with him, but every time his couch was free, he'd be like, hey, Derek, you know, you can come sleep over here if you need to. But a lot of nights I slept in my car. And be- between that, I, I remember uh, working at Advanced Auto Parts on uh, Highway 51, like in Madison originally. Mm-hmm. And for lunch, I would go across the street to the Chevron and buy like uh, Vienna sausages, uh, orange soda, and barbecue chips like every day. I remember one of the young ladies was like, uh, hey, why do you eat that every day? And I was like, it's just something that I choose to eat. Uh, little did they know it was the only thing I could afford at the time. At the time, my car had a real bad oil leak, so I was buying oil, gas. It, I just didn't have any money at all. I ended up getting uh, my job that I'm at now at Loomis uh, Armored, the Armored Car Service, on June 24th, 2014. And 
And ironically, June 24th is my grandmother's birthday. Just a side note, she passed in 08, but it was just like a weird day. The same day I had my interview, I got hired, and it was like pouring down raining. So I, I kind of felt like, you know, she was giving me tears of joy that day. Through that first year, I focused so much on getting back on my feet, getting my own place, getting my own vehicle, and, and a family friend, uh allowed me to make payment on a truck that he had sitting around. I, he knew my situation and he was like, you know, just if you can't pay, just let me know. Through that first year, I ended up getting my first place again on my own. And one day just sitting there in solitude, I was like, you know, God has brought me a long way from even from childhood through bankruptcy, through the things that I didn't have. And now I have a job where I'm able to bless not only myself, but my family, but who else can I help? Because he helped me so much along the way. And that ended up being like a two-page mission statement about the things that I wanted to do for people in Jackson. I have, you know, stepping stones and people along the way. Some of some people here don't have that. And I just wanted my organization to be something that people in need were to fall upon. Of course, it took three years for me to, like, really study that stuff. I knew nothing about how nonprofit organizations work or anything. So I studied it for about three years, studied some philanthropy stuff. And October of 2018, WFBC Incorporated was founded by myself. That's short, of course, for Rights Foundation for Better Communities. I, I had very low expectations for it. And to me, it blew up way faster than I thought it would. And we've helped way more people than I thought we'd help. Of course, even now, it feels like I'm steady trying to catch it. Because every time I feel like I'm getting close to getting adjusted to the speed of it, it gets ahead again. If someone else needs something and what I had to figure out how to, you know, make it happen. But uh, I've been blessed with a great team as well. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just going to ask you, I mean, you're talking about the need and how it seems like it's it, every time you catch up with it, it seems to speed forward. I would imagine that the past year has been incredibly intense with the pandemic. How how have y'all pivoted there and been able to to keep up with that kind of need? Um. Well, actually, I've we've seen a fair share of downfalls since COVID has happened, to be frankly honest. A lot of things that we did in the beginning as far as like fundraising and like crowdfunding and stuff like that. Of course, we haven't been able to do that because we don't want to draw like large crowds. Secondly, having the amount of volunteers necessary to complete certain projects within a certain amount of time. Uh, we started a community garden project and a mural that uh, Ms. Presley uh, worked on with us. Mm -hmm. Of course, we make public posts on Facebook like, hey, you know, if anybody want to volunteer, you know, you can come out. But once those lists start to become made, of course, now we have to limit how many people can come out. When they come out, check temperatures, ask questions and stuff like that. And it just that process takes so long to make sure people are safe that it extends the time of the project. And it extended this project a whole year versus the three-month phase that we had in the beginning. Yeah. We're talking with Derek Wright, of course, head of Wright's Foundation for Better Communities. Derek, when you came up with that two-page uh, mission statement, and I have this picture of Jerry Maguire of you sitting up in the middle of the night tapping away on the keyboard coming up with that, <laughs> what what were some of the goals and the missions that you created? Okay, so uh, one of the things that I thought about looking into, and this is you know no offense to no other nonprofit, I feel like sometimes with nonprofit where we approach the situations backwards. So a lot of times we go towards the youth first. My idea was to help create more opportunities for young adults because we're the ones that are raising the youth. And you can take a young child or a young adult and coach them 
and send them back home to a situation that's not ideal. And they end up getting a certain mentality back from that. So if we can help create opportunities for those young adults, then those opportunities will help create better situations for our youth. So therefore, coaching the youth after that point will begin to translate correctly uh, because they can witness it. That was one thing. And through that, my idea was to create a workforce program to connect the locals with local businesses that are hiring with better opportunities and better work, especially closer to home. That's something that I kind of suffered with with my first job. I lived in West Jackson, but I had to drive to Olive Garden every day. And coming from, you know, my my background, of course, when things happen, like my car broke down or something like that, and I couldn't go to work, it just created a bad situation because now I'm nervous about keeping my job. It's hard to call somebody like, hey, I need a ride all the way up I-55. So just trying to create more opportunities that are local to help people closer to home. That was one thing. The other thing is identifying problems that occur to that make people homeless what happened or what does this person need to have a boost forward so they can get out of that situation versus just helping them you know giving in general hey we have this for you but what is our next step to help you out of your situation and i feel like a lot of times we just give give and don't try to figure out what they really need to come out of that situation yeah, what what types of projects have you worked on since 2018? Okay, so our first thing was a clothing and toiletry drive. We did that for the homeless. We donated about 14 boxes of items to the Opportunity Center downtown. The reason I chose that shelter was, like I said, they're creating opportunities for the homeless to help them out of that situation. So we decided to bless them with those items to keep them going. The Second thing we ended up doing, I think we did like a small garden for a church for curbside appeal. That's something else that we kind of look at, making our city beautiful. We cleaned up our first park, which was at the Perkins Center or the Perkins Foundation. Uh, we updated the goals, new nets, repainted the ground lines, repainted the bleachers. After that, we uh, did an event called Donate a Dish, which was probably our first really big event where we had all of our supporters to cook their favorite dish. We took those dishes and served it catering style at the homeless shelter. So we set all the people down and served them as if they were at a restaurant. Uh, of course, you know, being homeless, you're not used to that type of service. So they, they were very appreciative of that. We did a back-to-school bash, which to me was pretty uh, pretty different because we had free haircuts and free hairdos for little girls. A lot of times oh. those back-to-school events, yeah, have free haircuts, but there's never nobody really there to do the little girl's hair. But we had beauticians, barbers, we had a water slide, jump houses, live music from local artists here in the city, free food. Uh, we gave away about 250 backpacks full of supplies. In my opinion, that was our like, biggest event. I mean, we went on to do countless things like that. That's incredible. Let's take, yeah. I tell you what, Derek, let's take a quick break and we're going to continue okay. this conversation. Um, that's amazing. That really is. And I mean, it's amazing how much good you've been able to do in such a short amount of time. So we're going to take another quick break. And when we return, we're going to continue our conversation with CEO Derek Wright. Plus, later in the show, we'll have artist Presley Lane of Presley Lane Studios will be joining us as well. So stay tuned. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. Hi. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, Professor of Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center and host of Southern Remedies Relatively Speaking. Join us as we explore issues that relate to you and your family, from mental health obstacles and family interactions to handling life disruptions. Whatever the issue, let's try to figure it out together. 
You can listen live Tuesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey of Mississippi Today. Well, today we've been talking with Derek Wright. He's the author and founder of the Wrights Foundation for Better Communities. And if you're just joining in, we've been talking a lot about some of the great things that his foundation's been doing over the last couple of years. And I tell you, Derek, you I was just uh, texting Michelle uh, in, in the break saying how much I'm just impressed by all you've managed to be able to do. I mean, you start out with some pretty big lemons there being, you know, basically mm-hmm. living out of your car. And you've yeah. turned around and made a pretty sweet lemonade out of the deal. And I just wanted to say kudos for doing that, for being able to impact in the, the community. You know, running a nonprofit is not easy. Anybody who's in the nonprofit world knows that. Talk about some of the biggest challenges that you've had and also some of the greatest rewards. Okay. So one of the biggest challenges, and I I really hate to bring this in, is perception or stereotype. Uh, I am a young black male. I'm 28 years old. In the beginning, I've always found it difficult. You know, how do I go into this business or approach this person and say, hey, I own a nonprofit organization and we need this. Of course, there's always this perception of, is it legit? Legitimacy has always been the thing. So one thing we've always done, we took plenty of pictures and I kept a photo book in the beginning just so that I can be like, hey, you know, this is what we do. I, I still remember my first interview with the district manager of Starbucks. Uh, when we were discussing a partnership. And when we were talking, he asked if we were 501c3. And I was like, yes, sir. And he was like, oh, you're like, so did you get a lawyer to do your paperwork? And I was like, no, I, said, I can't afford that. I said, I said, I'd like to read. So I read like all 26 pages front and back and then went along. And, and he was like, oh, that's amazing. And I, in my head, I'm like, well, I mean, it's not, I mean, it's maybe amazing to you, but not to me, because I feel like it's something that I needed to do anyway. But it's just the perception base that someone like me would have to go get a lawyer. But a lot of times it's legitimacy. Of course, the greatest rewards I've seen out of this was to be able to create a platform that helps so many people. That's my greatest reward. It's heartwarming to know that I've created something that people can rely on and depend on. That's my reward there. Seeing people get the things they need or want at the time that we can provide is reward enough for me. And uh, I was presented with a mission from God and I'm doing whatever he needs me to do uh, because we're successful. So I I feel like that's reward enough. Well, let's talk briefly about your books because you are a uh, prolific writer you've been writing pretty much your whole life your grandmother really did plant the seeds of the love of language with you talk a little bit about writing and what you hope to do with your books yeah so a lot of people ask like when did I start writing I've always written I've just never thought to put it in a book or publish it but I published my first book I want to say in 2019 before I published it I wrote it called life in third person discusses a guy's journey through the afterlife I studied how I could 
independently publish it and end up successfully doing that. So all my books are independently published. All the proceeds to my books go back to WSBC Incorporated as well. Uh, that's one way we stay funded. My top seller right now is Burning Ash, and that tells my story about what I went through as a child, teenager, young adult, and all the way up until now starting the nonprofit organization. That book has helped people relate to the things that I'm doing now, why I'm doing it, and the message in it is that no matter where you come from, there's always a positive route that you can take and you can help other people through your journey. So right now I have six books out. It's kind of therapy to sit down by myself, get my thoughts out on paper, type them, and it's kind of a hobby right now. So Well, it's time to take our final break. And when we return, we're going to continue speaking with Derek Wright and welcome artist Presley Lane, who has worked with Derek and his foundation as well. And if you have any questions or comment for our guests, well, give us a call. We'd love to hear from you at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Hey, stay tuned. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey, editor at large and editorial cartoonist for Mississippi Today. Hey, today we've had the pleasure of sitting down and talking with Derek Wright. He's an author and founder of Wright's Foundation for Better Communities. He's making a huge difference in Jackson. Got to love a story like that. Now let's welcome the show artist Presley Lane of Presley Lane Arts. Presley, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. So good to talk to you today. I hope you're staying warm. It's kind of a chilly Monday out there. Tell us a little bit about you and how you began working with Derek and his foundation. Okay, so um, I got this studio on North State Street and... I work with Mallory Uzzel, who uh, runs Hazy Dreams Photography, and she happened to know Derek, and Derek was looking for a mural artist to help him with his project, and so she recommended me, and we got to talking, and I told him that I was willing to volunteer my time to help complete the mural, and so we just hit the ground running. How did you get into doing murals? Um, This is actually my first mural. I was really, really excited about it. Oh, cool, cool. Hey, Derek, um, you touched a little bit about the mural both you and Presley tell us a little bit about this mural that you finished yeah so me and Presley had a few conversations about uh about at first how big it was the area was like 48 by 23 I think and we kind of discussed a concept and she brought the concept to life uh the concept that I gave her was what happens when you give time to the community so uh at the top of it you can see a pair of hands holding a clock and you can see the clock being melted through the hands onto a community that's building and the way she brought it to life was simply amazing to me of course i found out through our new friendship that Presley is kind of a perfectionist so <laughs> she redid it redid it hey Derek, what do you think about this and in my, my opinion all of them were amazing and she was like wait i want to do it again so yeah it, of course she did a lot of rough drafts and then came up with the uh finished product on i think like a 22 by 14 which Presley is kind of hanging up in my house <laughs> I, I loved it ever since and to actually see 
see that translated onto the ground in West Jackson, which may be the biggest piece of art in that area, it, it's simply amazing to me. It was a really great experience, and I was grateful to be a part of it. I think everybody has a responsibility to their community, and my talent through art is not always useful to help the community. It's definitely not as useful as all of the things that Derek does. So I was really grateful to have the opportunity to get back. Number one, uh, as an artist, I, I'd, I'd like to disagree with you because, I mean, you, you give a lot back to the community. But I, I will say this, um, and I know I've done one mural, and I've done two in my life. Um, they're not easy to do. Talk about some of the challenges you had. I mean, what were some of the biggest ones that you had while put, working on this project? Probably the biggest one was just having the scale of it and trying to keep in mind like while you're down close to the artwork what it's going to look like when you're standing up yeah. or when you're seeing it from above at a bird's eye view I mean it's it's difficult to keep everything in like the perspective that you originally want so right. there's a lot of messing around with that and um, I don't know just changing the scale of course I've done very large paintings before but this is of course different because it's on the ground. So, yeah, I would say probably the scale of it. Yeah, the weather, too. Yeah, definitely. Oh, um, absolutely. It was, like, raining for a majority of it, and then it's cold. Then the water would not evaporate off of the court. So there was a lot of that, and it, like, kind of cut into the time that we had to work on the mural. So there were, yeah, there were a few bumps. Well, well, Derek, and, and I mean Presley, too, Where you said in West Jackson, where is it, and what did you actually paint on? Uh, did you, I mean, was it on the court like you said or a side of building where where did you do it on it's on a basketball court it's a okay half court uh we i kind of grew up playing at it and it used to be a pretty popular spot on sundays you know where furniture zone the old furniture zone was on highway 80 across from the metro yeah. center right uh -huh. behind it there's an area right there and on the front side is robinson road with a daycare center right between there you can kind of see it from the beauty supply warehouse parking lot we actually did a community garden there as well so it's kind of like a lively spot especially for uh the kids in the daycare center they have something that they can go out and appreciate as well too so yeah um presley i'm seriously just trying to imagine you doing one on the ground like that because i mean when <laughs> Because when I did mine, I projected it up against the wall. That was easy peasy compared to this. How did you pull that off? Um, difficultly. <laughs> um, I had a lot of help, actually. Um, my husband yeah. came out and helped me. Like, I would... Uh, I would tape off squares of things that were simple and mix up color and be like, you can just use the roller to paint the square. And my sister came out and helped me. My nieces, my young nieces came out to help me do little flowers on like the bushes and things. So um, I had a little bit of help, definitely. <laughs> and Derek helped, you know, paint the white underneath the court to prepare it. And um, we had a volunteer that helped with the sky a little bit on that last day. So, yeah, I'm really grateful for all the people that came out and helped me. Well, I mean, it's hard enough to paint something on a wall, but when you paint it on a court, it's going to get traffic on it and it's going to have the sun on it. And it's going to, what materials did you use? I mean, what paints did you use and what did you put something to seal it? I mean, how do you, how are you going to protect it? Or do you, are you going to now go for the rest of your life and go out and touch it up? Yeah. So we used a uh, patio paint, like garage patio paint that's already made for the concrete and the ground and it's made to be, you know, driven on basically. But I do anticipate having to go back and update it. I actually, like Derek said multiple times, I am very much a perfectionist. And I actually plan on going out and updating it and doing things to it, but also just keeping it fresh and just keeping it, you know, looking good from the elements and also, you know, in case anything happens as far as graffiti or 
anything like that. I, I anticipate going out and keeping it looking great. <laughs> well, tell us a little bit about Reveal Day. When was it revealed? Uh, it was. We actually set the Reveal Day for Martin Luther King Day. My organization and I discussed uh, what we would do for Reveal Day. Uh, of course, we had a volunteer weekend prior to that. So the 16th and 17th, we grinded out maybe like 16 hours of work through those days just to have a finished product. And the whole time we were out there, Presley was painting from like <laughs> 8 a.m. to like 3 p.m., you know, so. And Reveal Day came and we sat down and enjoyed the mural, talked about how the project went and fellowshiped on that day and reflected on how much work we put out there. Because like I said, we worked on that project for like a year. Even when we went out there. I think the grass was 15 feet high when we first went out there. So it was a lot of cleaning up to do and it was just satisfying to be able to sit down on reveal day and enjoy the work that we have done. You know, I can't wait to see it because um, one thing about Jackson and it's a beautiful city, but there's a lot of tan and brown brick. And so sometimes it is devoid of color. And for to have that little shot of color and it just makes the community something really pop in the community a little bit. Derek, um, you've told us why you give back. I mean, I mean, your whole life, you just the people have been good to you and you're turning around and being good back. Presley, tell us why it's important for you to give back. Well, I actually OK, I'm going to take you full circle. I actually okay. work on the weekend at uh, the mental health facility. And that's important to me because I've struggled with mental health a lot of my life, especially like, you know, anxiety and a lot, just a lot of difficult things like that. So I don't know. I think it's just important to me to do things that are not just good for me, but good for other people. But I, but I understand that. I mean, you know, with artists, a lot of times very fertile fields can grow big crops but also weeds. So I can understand the mental health aspect and you wanting to get back because. Of that. Yeah, definitely. I just, I just want to bring joy to other people. A lot of the times I feel like that's a lot of my work. A lot of me just doing free things for other people, like paintings. And a lot of my whole career has just been about making other people happy. Derek, um, what do you want your legacy to be? Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> so I do want to, as far as my author, goes, I, I do want to leave a plethora of books for people to read. I write books that are catered to those who kind of don't like to read. So they all take about 45 minutes a piece to read, but they're like compacted, full of information, little gems here and there. I, I, I want to be a pillar of hope for those people that are growing up in poverty or growing up in situations where they see no positivity. Just to say, you know, it, it may look dark now, but if you keep going the positive way, there's always hope. And Whenever you find that hope and it gets you out, be sure to give some of that light to somebody else. Presley, it sounds like you have a very similar mission also, and, and you love to do that through your art. Do you foresee working with Derek again on another project? Absolutely. I mean, you're, you're speaking to each other right now, so that's a good right. sign. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, um, me and Derek have become really good friends, so I feel like even non-art-related projects, I definitely anticipate volunteering with him in the future and helping with his projects. That's wonderful. What project are you working on right now? Right now, we're actually today, I'm uh, scheduled to do a ride around in West Jackson to pick out our next park or recreational place to kind of spread some love to. We we also are um, looking at another donated dish. Of course, last year we did it a little different because of COVID, and we actually cooked the food ourselves and delivered it to the homeless shelter. So we're kind of looking to prepare for that as well. And I'm publishing my seventh book this month as well for uh, Black History Month. Kind of a little bit about it. Uh, the title is God 
and that's an acronym for uh, Grasping One's Dreams. And it just talks about a guy who struggled with mental issues and contemplated suicide, but found a light within himself to come out of it. So that's just a little bit of a, a synopsis on that one. Well, that sounds like a great read, and particularly timely, I think, for right now, with everything being kind of, kind of the way it is. Well, let's talk a little bit real quick. I know you are constantly in need of supplies and donations and so forth. What what are some of the needs that you need? Because I know folks are probably listening right now going, yeah, he seems like a good guy. I'd like to donate. <laughs> Actually, right now, we're still doing updates and stuff to our garden. So we are looking for fertilizer, uh, possibly any kind of seeds, greens, corn, whatever we can grow into the garden. At one point, we were looking for some garden supplies, but through time, we ended up getting all, getting a lot of that. General monetary donations always help. We also have a donation event that's actually coming up this month on the uh, second Wednesday where Domino's gives back in Clinton. They do a give back day. Uh, you use the code DN1 online, and they donate 20% of that to the organization. Or if you go oh, in, wow. and, yeah, you go in in person, just mention the organization and they key it in. That'd be another way to help as well. That's great. And of course, people can volunteer and come help and do that sort of thing too, right? Right, most definitely. That, that's the goal of uh, a lot of things we do in the community to get our citizens involved with the things that are going on in their community. So anyone's welcome. Of course, you know, we when you get there, we check temperatures and stuff like that. So be prepared for the, the whole COVID check. So uh, the sign of the times. Hey, uh, Derek, I just want to say, I know your grandmother's smiling right now, just seeing how you're giving back. And, and I just want to say, I know she's incredibly proud of you. Yes, sir. I, I agree on that. And Presley, I've, I'm impressed. I really am. And like I said, anybody who can do a, a mural on a flat surface like that, I just, <laughs> I'm on my knees right now. I'm bowing to you. I just wanted to get to let you have you. that mental, mental image because there ain't no way I could have do that in a million years. So you, you, you are quite the artist, but I, I also want to say kudos to you for giving back as well. Hey, both of you, thank you for for joining us real quick i mean super quick derek how can they find you yeah uh you can find me on facebook uh my page is open it's derek wright d-e-r-i-c-k wright w-r-i-g-h-t or wfbc on facebook as well very good presley your your email i mean your website um presleylane.com Presley like Elvis and Lane the way. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks for joining us today, Derek Wright. And of course, Presley Lane for joining us. It was a great show. If you want to hear it again, you can go to our podcast at mpbonline.org. Now you're talking is produced by Michelle McAdoo. So stay tuned. Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit with Josie Bidwell is coming up next. And join us next week at 10 a.m. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. Y'all have an awesome week.